Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Acts. We'll be in chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, that's where we're going to be camping out for most of our time today. And if today is your first day with us, let me just say that you have not missed a whole lot. We've been in this series for only a week now, and today is our second week going through uh, this new series that we, we're calling just uh, Acts. We're just going through the book of Acts, and um, we're looking specifically at right now, over the next couple of weeks, we're looking at the Holy Spirit and His work in the early church. We've talked about last week how the book of Acts is not necessarily about, uh, it's not about church planning. The book of Acts is not about even the church, but the book of Acts is about the Holy Spirit coming down, moving in God's people and doing something incredible in the lives of His people. Um, how many of you ha- have ever had kind of like that passing of the torch moment in your life? You know, that passing of the torch moment uh, where something that somebody else did is getting ready to be passed down to you. I think specifically about a time where I was in the car with my dad. I was 15 years old, and uh, don't hold this against me, but my dad had one of those old red Cutlass Sierra Oldsmobiles. Um, you can laugh at that. That's funny. It's all right. We grew up with, with an Oldsmobile in the house. Dad was never allowed to take me to school. Um, and it was just one of those things. He had the Oldsmobile. The paint was chipped, everything else. And I remember as we're sitting, I'm sitting there in the passenger seat, and I'm in the car with Dad. We're, we're down this, this busy highway, and I remember him looking at me and said, you know what? It's your turn. You need to learn to drive. And so he gets out of the car, and he gives me the keys, and I start driving this old Cutlass Sierra for the very first time in my life. And I'm passing all these 18-wheelers, and I'm passing all these cars on this busy highway, and I'm looking at my dad, and I'm like, I don't know who's cussing more. He's cussing me out, or I'm cussing him out. I'm just kidding. We didn't cuss each other out, at least not in our, at least out loud anyway. We're definitely cussing each other out, but uh, probably the most intense situation where he hands over the keys, and he says, your turn. Or I think about specifically whenever I was just 17 years old on my first ever mission trip, and I'm getting ready to preach my first sermon ever. Like, I, you know, I had no idea that this was going to be the way that it was. But we get ready. He said, we're, you know, this, the leader of this mission trip that we're on, we're getting ready to speak to 700 plus kids at a school in Zimbabwe. And so we get out of the car. There's 700 kids. I'm not exaggerating. There's 700 kids all, all packed around this, this elementary school. We walk out, stand up on stage, and, and the leader of the missionary, he, he gives all the, you know, he, he gives his speech. He tells about, about everything that's going on, shares the gospel, and he turns around and looks at me. He said, hey, kid, you're up. And I hadn't even prepared anything. Like, he didn't even warn me. He gave me no heads up, no notice. Just share what's on your heart, brother. Just share what's on your heart in front of 700 kids. Hey, kid, it's your turn. You're up. Has anybody ever said that to you in this life? That passing of the torch moment. You know, I'm to the age now. Every holiday, every get-together with our family, like even my granddad, who's like, you know, the patriarch figure, the one that always prays, like the one that took everybody to church. He's looking at me and saying, well, who's going to pray? Who's going to say the blessing? I guess it'll be David. David, we can let David do it now. We're passing down the torch, so to speak. Acts 1, what we're looking at today, is a true passing of the torch moment. A true passing of, it's a true time in the spiritual journey where the disciples, they're about to get a gut check to see if they really trust in Jesus. 
if they really trust in Jesus. You see, we've all been there. We've all had those moments and times where we've said, I don't feel like I'm equipped. I don't feel like I have all the tools. I don't feel like I've been trained. I don't feel like I have it. Like we have those moments and times in our spiritual journeys where we're kind of pushed out of our comfort zone, right? And maybe I'm the only one, but we have all those, all those pressures and anxieties where we get into our spiritual journey, and it's like God tells us, okay, it's time for you to take the next step. It's time for you to get out of your comfort zone. It's time for you to take that next step in your spiritual journey. We've all been there. We've all had moments and times where we feel like, God, I just cannot do this. I can't do it. You know, I'm 15 years old. I'm behind the wheel. I'm like, Dad, one of us is going to die. It's either going to be me or you, but one of us is not going to make it out of this car. I was terrified. You know, standing out there in front of 700 students, I wanted to punch that dude in the nose, like 700 students. Like you could have you warned me, right? I, I, I don't have what it takes. It's just like that with our faith journey. It's just like that in our walk with God. That there's moments and times where Jesus is calling us, take the next step. I say, God, I don't feel like I can do this. I'm overwhelmed. I have doubts about this. And if we're honest with ourselves, nine times out of ten, the one step, the one place that every single Christian struggles with, the one step that we all on some level have struggled with at some point is sharing our faith, is sharing our faith with those who don't know Jesus. Like maybe it's just me, but... Nine times out of ten, whenever I talk to somebody about sharing their faith, whenever we are in missional communities, the one thing that always seems to come up is I just don't have the boldness. I don't have the courage. I don't know what to say. What's going to happen if they laugh at me? What happens if they reject me? I just don't know that I'm comfortable with that. I'm a little apprehensive about that. I have doubts about myself, if I'm adequate? Can I, can I really lead somebody to Jesus? Can, can, I, can I have all the right words to say? How many of you have been there before? We've all been there, all right? That wasn't even rhetorical. That, like, we've all been there, myself included. We've all had moments and times where I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm an extrovert, or I'm an introvert. I got that totally wrong. I'm an introvert. I, I can't share my faith with my coworker. I can't share my faith with my neighbor. I, I'm an introvert. This, this is really out of my comfort zone. I, I, I can't do that. Right here in this moment, I just want to let you know one thing. I just want to peel back and, and be a little transparent before you this morning. It's okay. It's okay. If you're apprehensive about sharing your faith, if you have doubts about it, if you're nervous about sharing your faith, it's perfectly fine. It's okay to be apprehensive about sharing the gospel. It's fine, you know, and you're probably thinking, I don't know what they'll think. You're probably thinking, I'm too shy. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right to be apprehensive. You're absolutely right to, to, to kind of bottle up some of that fear, some of that anxiety it's perfectly fine to be apprehensive. It's okay to be nervous about sharing. But listen to me on this point. It's not okay to be disobedient. Let me say that again. 
it's okay to be nervous. It's okay to be apprehensive. But it's not okay to be disobedient. It's not okay to to say to our God and our Father, you know what, I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not there, I'm not ready, and I'm just not going to do it. Because to say to God that I'm too nervous to share my faith, to say to God that I'm too, I have too much doubt, I have too much anxiety, I cannot share the gospel with my neighbor, I'm not going to share the gospel with my friends, I'm not going to share the gospel with my coworkers. Guess what? Whenever you say those things, what you're really saying is, I'm going to choose to be disobedient to you. I choose disobedience. This is a tough message. Acts chapter 1. What we're going to see in the bottom line today, the bottom line of everything that Jesus is about to say to his disciples and the the thing that he's saying to us today is with all the doubt, with all the anxiety, with all the apprehension, is that in the Holy Spirit, we have everything we need in order to share our faith with others. Come on now. Come on now. In the Holy Spirit, we have everything we need to share our faith. And that's what he gives us here in Acts chapter 1. So if you're there, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. That's where we'll be camping out today. If you got it, say, I got it. And if you don't, it should be up on the screen. The word should be up on the screen. But if you need a Bible, if you'd like to have a Bible, we have it right over there at our Connect table. Feel free to grab one of those this morning. We want you to have a copy of God's work. Acts chapter 1, we're going to pick up in verse 4. And while staying with them... He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they asked him, they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taking up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. And as we said over the last year, God, that one of the marks of being a follower of Jesus is that we go. When you were with your disciples, you led them in a path not of information, but of obedience. God, you didn't sit around and fill their heads with knowledge, but you gave them a list of commands and said, go and do this. And one of the marks of being your follower is that we go. Lord, in my own flesh, I'm afraid to share the gospel with those who don't know you. 
but through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we're made witnesses. Lord, open the truths of your scriptures this morning. Let us see you in a new way. In Jesus' name, amen. As he says right here, restoring the kingdom. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, at this time, will you restore the kingdom of Israel? You see, this is after Jesus is already resurrected. He's been put on the cross. He's resurrected. He's lived for at least 50 days now. And he's standing around with all of his disciples. And you see, the disciples, they have this mentality that Jesus, alive, back from the dead, is about to do something incredible. They think that Jesus is about to become their king. And whenever I say king, I mean a physical king. They think that Jesus is about to overthrow the Roman Empire, that Jesus is going to start wielding all of his power, that he's going to have a physical throne, that he's going to go and sit down, and that all of his disciples are going to be rulers of this kingdom of of Jesus. They think that this is a very physical thing that's about to happen. And so when they ask him this right here, it says, Jesus, is now the time that you're ready to restore the kingdom of Israel? Are you going to make us prominent again? Are we getting ready to rule the world again? And buddy, does Jesus have a different answer for him? Not only does he not restore the kingdom, he just leaves totally. Like he pulls himself completely out of the picture, like gone for good. One second, they're thinking, man, we're about to be ruling this kingdom. We're about to be ruling this earth. We've got Jesus on the king as king. He's sitting on the throne. He's going to have this crown. We're going to rule the world in the next five minutes. He's not even there. And he's, they're kind of standing there like, I'm just imagining like what's going on there. The disciples are looking around like, um, is he coming back? Uh, what next? What's about to happen here? But before he goes, what does Jesus say? Jesus says something very different to him. You see, they think that the kingdom of heaven is about to be brought, is about to be brought down to earth, but that's not exactly how the kingdom works, is it? Jesus pulls out. Remember those words in John, John 16. Jesus says, it's better for you that I go. Somehow in the weird mystery of Christianity, it's better for Jesus to send his spirit to dwell within us than it is for him to be here physically. Somehow it's better in the mystery of Christianity for there to be this kingdom of heaven that us as Christians, we represent the kingdom of God here on earth than it is for Jesus to have a physical kingdom. It's a mystery. But he says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit is come, and you will be my witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses whenever the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I don't know about you, but I, I grew up in church, and sometimes we, we talk about the Holy Spirit and the role of the Spirit's work in our lives, and The Spirit makes us more like Jesus, and the Spirit is our counselor, and the Spirit has to, the Holy Ghost has got to show up in the room on Sunday mornings. You know what I'm talking about? Like, we we have all kind of different teachings about the Holy Spirit, but one of the things that I think is often missing from our teaching and from our preaching on the work of His Spirit in our lives is that His Spirit makes us a witness. And that if we forget that, then we're forgetting one of, the, one of the Spirit's central workings and one of His central dealings in our lives is that the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit is not just to teach us more about Jesus, but it's represented in us to go and tell people about Jesus, to go and be a light, to be Jesus to people. 
And oftentimes we miss that. You see that word, the word witness there, it means matureo, matureo in the Greek. I don't read Greek, so don't let that scare you, all right? Matureo, that's what that means. It means to, to be a witness, to affirm that one has seen or heard or experienced something or, or that something divine has been brought to your attention. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, you claim to have seen something, right? Like you've seen some stuff in your life. You've seen the grace of God move in your life, change your life, give you, give you a new life, so to speak. Matereo, he says that now you are going to be my witnesses. And as he's saying this to his disciples, he's saying, now everything that you have seen, everything that you have heard, you're going to go and you're going to tell that to other people. You're going to go and be my witness. Matereo, to be a witness, to affirm that one has seen or heard or experienced something. And so what Jesus is saying, He's saying that the Holy Spirit is going to come down and He's going to give you power to now be a witness for me. The Holy Spirit is going to come and give you the power to let people know that you have experienced something different, that you have seen something different in this life. Totally different from any other religion in the world totally different from any other thing that we've ever experienced in human history, where God not dwells with His people in such a way physically, but He, but he takes out, he, He's gone from us. He says, I'm going to send my Spirit to you, and when my Spirit comes to you, He's going to give you the power to do everything that we've seen, everything that we've talked about over the last three years, is what He's saying to His disciples here. And what He's saying to them is He's saying, You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, this has a it has a connotation to it. He says, right here in Jerusalem, this is your backyard. He's standing in Jerusalem. He's saying to the disciples, you see all of this area. You see the ground. Look around. You're going to be my witnesses right here in this area. You're going to bring the kingdom to everything that you see right here. Because they're in Jerusalem. He says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. But he not only says that, but you're going to be my witness in all Judea and Samaria. That has a, it has a connotation, kind of like this. You're going to be my witnesses, Creekside Church, in Goose Creek. You're going, to, you're going to let people in Goose Creek know that you have experienced something different. You're going to let people in Goose Creek know that you have been given a new life. You're going to let people know, as going on there from Judea and Samaria, you're going to let people know in the greater Charleston area, greater Charleston, the low country, that you are my witnesses, that you have seen and experienced something different. Listen, I know some of y'all work in West Ashley, and y'all sit in that traffic every day. I know some of y'all work downtown. I know some of you work at the Navy base. Some of y'all don't work anywhere close to here. Jesus has given you His Spirit to go be a witness in greater Charleston. And He says, not only that, but to be my witness in all of Samaria and to the ends of the earth, to be my witnesses to the greater state of South Carolina, to the greater area, to expand your region to the ends of the earth. Yeah, He says, you got it right here in your own backyard, but He says, You're going to be my witness to the nations. 
I love it whenever people say, oh, you know, we've, we've got enough work here in North Charleston. We've got enough work here in Goose Creek. We just need to be on mission here. You see, the, Jesus gives us a direct contradiction of that because he says, you're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Well, I thought I'd get an amen from my missionary family. Like, at least from my missionary family, I thought I was going to get something like a hallelujah. To the ends of the earth. Jesus says, you're going to go and be my witnesses and tell people to the ends of the earth that you have seen and that you have heard that you have experienced something different. So he goes on. Let me, let me back up there personally. We, we talk about this a little bit. We, we talk a little bit about this. And... Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, we talk a lot about this as we talk about being a disciple. We talk a lot about going. And whenever we say that, that as we're supposed to go as his disciples, what we say is a disciple is someone who's going for Jesus personally, locally, and globally. That's what a disciple is. That a disciple is someone who's going personally. You know, you have people at your workplace. You have people in your, in your homeschool groups. Like you have, you have groups that I don't interact with that you do. That's kind of what that means there. Your Jerusalem is that you're supposed to go and be a witness to those people. And whenever I think about this in our church, I think specifically about a guy, um, his name's McCray. You'll see McCray up on stage a lot. Uh, he plays guitar for us. Uh, unfortunately, he works every other Sunday, so he's not allowed to be with us. But whenever I think about somebody who's going on a personal level, Man, McCray is just knocking it out. McCray, he, he's told me several times, he's shared the gospel with three classmates that he has. Like every Tuesday night, he gets together with his classmates and he has specific gospel conversations. It's this ongoing thing between, uh, between me and him where he'll text me on a weekly basis and he'll say, hey man, I'm getting ready to share the, the gospel tonight with my friend Julian. And after he'll go and share the gospel, he'll report back to me, here's how the conversation went. And he's just so passionate about sharing the gospel with his local entity, with those that he interacts with that I would never interact with. You have people in your inner circle that are never going to darken the doors of this church. I can't reach them. I'll go with you. I'd love to go with you. But God has sent you on mission to those areas. And whenever we say locally, Whenever we say locally, what we're talking about is not just the people that you interface with on a daily basis, but what we're talking about is the places in our, in our local geography like Wingate. We're going locally. Jesus says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you can go be my witness in places like Wingate. And then he says globally. It's my dream. My dream of one day raising up missionaries from this church. And, and I, we're all missionaries. Let's just get that straight. All, we're all missionaries. But raising up full-time missionaries that he sends out all across this world. That is my goal. So going personally, going locally, and going globally, whenever we talk about being a disciple, that's what we talk about. That's what, that's what, we, that's what we mean, going personally, locally, and globally. And, and you've got to put yourself in the shoes right here of the disciples. Think about how overwhelmed they must feel right now. I can't do that. 
I can't. Like, it would be one thing, Jesus, if you were here. If you were here, like in the flesh, like maybe we could go and conquer Jerusalem and let everybody know about your goodness. If you were here, maybe we could go out to, you know, Samaria. Maybe if you were here, we could even get up to Asia. Like, we might be able to do it if you were still here, Jesus, but you're gone now and you still expect us to do that? Holy cow, Jesus, what are you talking about? There's no way that we can do all that. But Jesus says that you're going to receive power. Power. Almost like a superpower. You know, like the Incredible Hulk. Like I, if, I had, if I told you that I had a superpower, you would look at me and say, I want to see it. Show me what that superpower is. Show me what the difference is. What, where's the change? Where's the power at? Jesus says that if I'm going to give you my spirit, there's going to be power. And so whenever he says, it's to my advantage that I go, the spirit gives us the power to have confidence. The spirit gives us a confidence that's supernatural. That's not it's not natural to the human flesh. Listen, if you're afraid, to, if you're apprehensive, if you're nervous about sharing the gospel, it's okay. It's natural. But where the Spirit works in our lives is that He gives us a super, supernatural ability to have confidence. Later on in, in the book of Acts, we're going to study this a little bit later on, where the, the church just gathers, gathers around and they pray for boldness. They ask God, God, give us more boldness. And through the Spirit, God gives them that confidence to be able to go and share. And so one of the ways that the Holy Spirit works in us is that He gives us a confidence to share. But not only does He give us a confidence, you see, the Spirit gives us the words. The Spirit gives us the words. I don't know what I'm going to say. Guess what? It's not you talking. You're just a vessel. The Spirit is speaking through you. You're just a tool that God is using. That God cares deeply about you. Don't get me wrong. Like God deeply cares about you. He loves you. He's going to use you. But it's His Word speaking through you. I can't tell you how many times I've been in conversations with folks. I mean, in stuff that I haven't thought about, stuff that I haven't studied in like years, and just in a conversation with somebody, it's exactly what they need to hear. And God recalls it to my mind. You see, we talked about this last week whenever we talked about the fact that the Spirit gives us the words. We talked about it last week in John 15 whenever we said that the, one of the works of the Spirit is that the, the Spirit calls to our minds the things that Jesus has taught us. And so when you're in the workplace, whenever you're in places like Wingate, don't worry about what to say because the Spirit is going to speak to you and give you exactly what you need in that moment. And not only does he do, does he do that, but the Spirit is the one who is either rejected or accepted. Whenever you get a door closed in your face, whenever you get an agnostic who's just nasty and they're like, man, I don't want nothing to do with that Jesus, get it on out of here. Listen, they're not rejecting you, the person, they're rejecting Christ. It's the Holy Spirit and it's Christ that's rejected, not us. So what do we have to lose? What is it that we have to lose? You see, in, this, in this, this moment, whenever we talk about sharing the gospel, I want you to understand something very, just to be very clear. You see, whenever it comes to sharing our faith, we have absolutely nothing to lose. We have everything to gain. 
everything is on the line. Now Paul and, and his disciples and what we're going to see here in the book of Acts, they lose their lives, but Jesus has already told us it's not ours anyway. So what do we have to lose? So the Spirit gives us confidence. The Spirit gives us the words, and it's the Spirit who actually does the saving. And so Jesus has, has given us the authority, and He's given us the power. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let me just say this, though. You will only be a witness through the Holy Spirit so much as the Spirit is speaking to you on a daily basis. Let me say that again. You will only be a witness through the Holy Spirit so much as the Holy Spirit is speaking to you on a daily basis. If the Spirit is speaking to you Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday, guess what? The Spirit is now going to speak through you. But if there's no time with you alone in, in the Word, if there's no time with you in the Holy Spirit Monday through Friday in prayer, you'll never see the need to go. You'll never see the need to be used. You'll never have the desire to go. Guess what? Netflix is a whole lot better. If the Holy Spirit is not speaking through you, or not speaking to you, then He's not going to be speaking through you. You see, if we're not growing in our relationship with God, there's no going. If there's no growing, there's no going. If there's no receiving from the Holy Spirit, there's no being used by the Holy Spirit. And I mean this, and this is so key, this is so vital, this is so vital to who we are. You see, if, if you're going and you're acting as a witness without the Holy Spirit speaking to you Monday through Friday, what power do you have? If you're saying things in, in Jesus' name, and if you're going and you're talking and you're sharing, what power is moving through you? It's your own power. It's the flesh. And there's no power in that. There's nothing being given. There's nothing exerting out of that. And I just want to say this. If you're not spending time in prayer and in the Word, you will not see the need to go. You will not see the need to go. You see, Jesus modeled this well for us. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Jesus modeled this so well for us. He knew this to be true. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 12. It says that while he was in one of the cities, he being Jesus, there was a man that came full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and he begged him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and he touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. 
And he charged him to tell no one, but to go and show yourself to the priest and making an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more the report uh, about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed by his infirmities, by their infirmities. But what does Jesus do? Look at, look at that verse with me in verse 16. But what does Jesus do? But he would withdraw to a desolate places and pray. It seems like an oxymoron, right? Like Jesus is healing people. He's got great works, great ministry, great things are happening. All the crowds are coming. What does Jesus do? He withdraws so that he can pray. It's like, what are you doing, Jesus? The crowds are here. They're ready. Like the harvest is ripe. Heal everybody so that they can know, so that they can be saved. Let them, let them be healed of their leprosy. No, that's not exactly what Jesus does. Jesus says that I've got so much ministry to do that it's important that I withdraw and pray. You see, there are two versions of you. There are two versions of you, and one of those versions is always on display. You see, there's the stage version of you. You're seeing my stage version right now. I'm up on stage. I'm interacting with you. After service today, guess what? That's still the stage version of me. Whenever I interact with you, guess what version of you I'm getting? I'm getting the stage version of you. There's a stage, there's a version of ourselves that we project before other people. There's a version of us that is on, it's on display at work. There's a version of us that's, that's working with our kids. There's a version of us that's in missional community. There's a version of us that's at work. There's a version of us that's in our neighborhood. That is the display version where we're ministering to others, where we're having conversations, where we're, where we're just ministering to people. Where we're working and trying to do a good job. And that's the one version of you that's probably always worked. That's the one version of you that drives you to be tired. You see, there's another version of you that we see here in Luke, 6, Luke 5, 16, where we withdraw to desolate places and we pray. Where it's just us. And there's no fakery. There's no performance. There's no, there's no uh, extrovert, there, there's no need to be on display where it's just us and we're just being. And we're in silence before our God. And we pray. And we hear Him speaking to us. And we're here, and He's confirming everything that He says about us. And He says, you are my son. You are made in my image. Your new identity is what I have said about you. You are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's who you are, my son. And then we go out. And then we're on display. But if there's no version of us that's that's in those quiet places, if there's no version of us that is withdrawn to the desolate places, then there's no version of us that's received any power. There's no version of us that's going to do anything good out there. And so we have to, have to, have to, have to. And I'm saying, tell your kids to go play outside, like if you need to. If you need to, wake up at 5.30. Drive yourself to be disciplined. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that you will draw yourself, you will draw yourself to a place where you just want to quit. 
you will draw yourself to a place where you say, I don't even, I've forgotten who I am. We have to have moments in the morning where Jesus is telling us, you are my son. You are made in my image. This is your new identity. Because when we go out there, we sure do forget it. I'm even guilty of this myself. Every door that I knock on and somebody says, I don't want anything to do with Jesus, I look at myself and I think, I'm not worth anything. I'm not successful as a missionary. Nobody's following Jesus. And if that stage version of me was the only version, I would be done. But if it's not for those times in the morning where Jesus Christ is filling me up through His Holy Spirit, where I withdraw to those places, where I'm filled back with that power, I'm able to be sent back out. It's the same for you. It's the same for you. Whether it's being on mission, whether it's being a dad, whether it's being a mom, whether it's being a neighbor, whether it's being a a child or a son, a worker, whatever it is, I just want to tell you this. If you don't have moments where the Holy Spirit is speaking to you Monday through Friday, you will quit. You'll quit. There's no point. I don't don't see the need. It's just like a, it's just like a, like at a concert or something like that, you, you see the band, the band comes out. But before the band comes out and they give you that three-hour show, what are they doing before that? They're sitting in the green room, and there might be some funny things and some shady things happening in that green room, but they're getting prepared. They're preparing themselves, and there's not a whole lot of noise. It's quiet because they know that they're about to go hard for a, for a few hours. And so they need that time to decompress. They need that time where it's just peace and quiet because they're going to be sent back out. And so I, I just want to recall to you that this is so foundational, that yes, we are His witnesses, but we will only be His witnesses as we refer to what we saw last week, that He's our counselor. He's your counselor. He's my counselor. He's my helper. He's your helper. There's going to be moments where we're defeated. There's going to be moments where we don't know what to say. There's going to be moments where we're discouraged. But He is given to us so that He is able to counsel us in our moments of despair and our desperation. So we might be afraid, but allow Him to speak to you. And I just want to challenge you this week. Um, For those of you who don't know, Our church is getting ready to enter into a week of prayer and a week of fasting Um, because we've been asking God to to save people. We just went the whole year of 2018 without seeing anyone come to know Jesus. Um, And and now, you know, exactly what I just said. We could allow that to become uh, discouraging to us. We could allow that to become where we find our identity, and we know that that's not it. But what we're asking is we're asking God to send a fresh movement of His Spirit across our city. And we can't make a movement happen, but we can certainly prepare for one. We can't make God do anything, but we can make sure that we, in our own hearts, are ready for this. And so you should have received something in the mail. Maybe you didn't receive it. We have plenty of copies this morning if you'd like to get a copy. Uh, Our church, over the next seven days, we're entering into this time of prayer and in this time of fasting. And here's here's my challenge to you specifically, I'm going to ask that you would at least spend 30 minutes a day with God this week. 30 minutes a day. 
Small step of obedience. That's a small step, right? That's a small step of obedience, and it's going to require sacrifice. You might have to get up early. You might have to stay up late. I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't know if you're a morning person or a night person, but what we're asking you to do is we're asking you for 30 minutes a day to spend time in prayer and in His Word. 30 minutes a day. Are you with me? Because as He does that in our hearts, as the Spirit speaks to us, He sends us out. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you this morning. and Lord, I, I know that you're speaking to us and uh, God, that you're doing incredible things in the life of this church. But everything that you're getting ready to do through us, Lord, it, it starts with you doing that in us. And as you transform us, now you use us to, to transform a city. As we grow in you, God, then we go for you. Lord, and I just pray for the men, women, and children that are in this room today, God. I pray that we would know you in a fresh way and that we would then be sent out to a city because we've received power from your Holy Spirit to be witnesses. We love you, Jesus, and we ask these things in your name. Amen. Uh, this morning, uh, we're going to close out with a uh, rather fun song. Um, you're the God of this city. Um, greater things have yet to come. Greater things are still to be done here. Man, I believe that. I believe that for the 70% of this city who does not know Jesus Christ, who, who, who's not even religious, religiously affiliated in any way, shape, or form, we believe that greater things are yet to come. Greater things are yet to come for our friends, for our neighbors, for our family members. Greater things are still to be done here. This morning, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to see and experience that there's something peculiar about this body of people here. That if you have never started a relationship with Jesus Christ, then first and foremost, you start a relationship with Him. And then you will receive power to be a witness, but you will also receive power to be, to be counseled by His Spirit. This is the good news of Jesus, that we were sinners and separated from Him, broken just trying to get back to God, trying to find love, trying to find joy, trying to find fulfillment. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to fix our brokenness. And now we're here in this place of being sent back out to brokenness. This morning, I invite you, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, may today be the day. If you need a pastor to pray with, I'll be in the back to pray with you. But if you're a partner this morning, if you're if you're one of those who say that you're a part of Creekside Church, I'm just going to ask you, would you sing the words of this song, Greater Things Are Yet to Come? I'm just going to ask you as your pastor, as your friend, would you sing those words like you mean it? Would you sing those words like you believe it this morning? I invite you to be obedient to whatever God's calling you to this morning.